John Wainwright, and this is the Cap Impact Podcast, a podcast by the Capital Center for Law and Policy at University of the Pacific McGeorge School of Law in Sacramento, California. Today, we're going to be talking with Aaron Evans-Feudum, who is with the League of California Cities, about the legislation relating to the wildfires that have been going on across California. Um, Aaron, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, John. So before we dive into this really meaty issue of wildfires and liability and utilities, let's just give people a chance to kind of like get to know you a little bit. So what got you interested in working in public policy? Okay, thanks. Um, so I grew up with an elected official as my mother. I was going to ask, so your mom is Senator Noreen Evans? My mom is Senator Noreen Evans. Okay. Um, and I have just a very sort of conscious, uh, politically conscious family anyway. So at the dinner table, we would talk about major political issues and policy issues um, that were happening in our city. Um, so that really sort of started my interest in, in policy in particular, but also in politics. Um, and it just sort of grew from there. Now, you're also not just lobbyist, policy advocate. You're also a lawyer and a lobbyist. What was that inspiration for you to go to law school and add lawyer to lobbyist? Because no, not every lobbyist out there has to be a lawyer. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, there are quite a few that are, but certainly it's not a requirement. Um, so I was a lobbyist before I was a lawyer. Okay. Uh, but as a lobbyist, um, I really admired the way that lawyers can articulate their arguments, both in writing and in um, sort of oral advocacy in front of legislative committees. Uh, and I really wanted to be able to hone those skills that I had seen other lawyers use. Okay. That's why I wanted to go to law school. Okay. And then you're also a McGeorge alum. We'll just mm-hmm. not hide that fact anymore. <laughs> um, what was your inspiration to pick McGeorge over all the other law schools around here? So because I was already a lobbyist and I didn't want to leave my day job, um, I decided McGeorge was the place for me. It has a a great evening program, as I hope all of your listeners already know. Um, And so I was just really enticed by the fact that I could keep working and go to school at night. Um, Didn't hurt that my parents went here, too. So I already (laughs) knew the school had a great reputation. A little bit of a connection there. (laughs) So like I mentioned at the top, wildfires are one of, if not the biggest issue facing the legislature in this end of session push. What are some of the main issues around this that the legislature is working through? Yeah, so it's absolutely one of the major issues uh, at the end of session here. We have about four weeks left in the legislative session. Um, They're due to conclude uh, August 31st. But it's also really been a theme throughout the entirety of the year. The 2017 um, sort of end of the year fires were the most destructive in history and you know many lives and structures were lost and there was absolute devastation in many different places in California uh, so the legislature certainly started thinking about this as have many various types of groups um, for cities in particular this was well it was the first time we had really seen the type of devastation that we saw in Santa Rosa and then sort of following that in other areas there's a lot of issues to think about when it comes to wildfires the legislature is looking at all of these. Um, They're working on doing that in a pretty comprehensive process right now, actually. Um, But among the issues are uh, safety, whether there's enough safety protections in place right now, fuels for a wildfire. That's really important. So Uh, what do you mean by fuel? Is that just like trees, undergrowth? like? Yeah. So with climate change um, and coming out of a six-year drought, we have seen a lot of dead and dying trees. Um, And so... 
dead and dying trees create this type of fuel for a wildfire in in the right conditions. So you have to have a wind conditions as well. Um, you have to have fuel. Um, and then, of course, you have to have something that sort of sparks and starts the fire. And one of the other issues here that I don't think you mentioned is this liability issue that comes up related to the utility companies here. And I'm trying to like, this is something that has been like, I've been grinding on for a while. People I talked to have been grinding on for a while here. How does this liability issue currently work in California, specifically as it relates to like utilities and these wildfires? Like at the end of the day, when the dust all settles, who ultimately ends up bearing the cost of these wildfires? Is it the shareholders for utilities like the PG&E's Southern California Edison's of the world? Is it the ratepayers, taxpayers? Who's ultimately paying for the destruction that these wildfires are causing. Yeah, so liability is a huge discussion, and it it's a pretty complicated issue. So I'm going to kind of take you down a path right now. That's fine. Um, I, stop me if you want. No, unpacking this is like what I I need. <laughs> so, okay, let's, so let's do this. The current rule of liability is a standard called inverse condemnation has its roots in the takings clauses of the U.S. and state constitutions. And essentially what it means is if property is taken or damaged for a public use, then the entity, the government entity, or in this case, an investor-owned utility, has the responsibility to pay for that damage, pay just compensation for that damage. The utility, if the utility is the cause, then the homeowner could sue the utility. But like, couldn't the, indirectly, that homeowner is still paying for the damages, like if my home is in a PG&E district, for example, and a PG&E power line is found to be the cause of a fire that burns my home down. I can try to get damages from PG&E through this inverse condemnation thing. But where is that money from PG&E coming from? Is that coming out of the rates I'm paying? Is that coming out of the shareholder prices? Is that something that an executive isn't going to pay? Is that coming out of profits? Or is that like I said at the beginning, coming out of my pocket through the rates I'm already paying? Okay, great question. So there's sort of two levels of this analysis, right? The first, um, if we're talking about a wildfire and potentially utilities being the cause, a utility being the cause of a wildfire, the first question is, is that utility liable, right? So that's inverse condemnation. The second step in that question is, how then does the utility pay for the damages that they have to pay, right? Okay. And so that's the question between shareholders and ratepayers. So current law allows utilities to pass on certain costs to their ratepayers. So the CPUC can decide if the utility did not act unreasonably, very loyally. If the utility, <laughs> essentially, if the utility acted reasonably, then there, then the CPUC, the California Public Utilities Commission, can allow those costs to be passed through to ratepayers. Okay, so that's like, if the utility has done their due diligence, they're keeping their lines up to code, they're maintaining everything the way it needs to be done. They can go to the CPUC and say, "Hey, we've done everything you've asked us to do." But this fire started regardless of all this work we've done to try to prevent these things. Can we pass these costs on to ratepayers? Yep. And the CPUC can say yes or no. Okay. That makes a little more sense. Now, I know that also, because this is a really sticky and confusing issue, that there's a couple of proposals going through the legislature right now, specifically on this liability issue. I know Senator Dodd has SB 901, and there's the conference committee working on this issue. 
The governor recently came out with a proposal of his own on this. What are some of the differences between the the competing reform proposals out there right now? Great question. So Senator Dodd has SB 901. That bill is uh, is sort of the context by which the conference committee is working. So conference committee of 10 legislators has been appointed, five by the speaker, five by the Senate president pro tem. And that's not a normal number, too. I th- I've talked about this in a previous one, but that's more mm-hmm. than your normal conference committee. Probably, but we haven't had a conference committee on this type of big wildfire or this type of, excuse me, big complex issue in quite a while. Often they're done through the budget committee process, and that conference committee is substantially smaller. But yeah, so this is it is kind of a large conference committee, but largely that could be due to a lot of legislators having a direct interest in this. Yeah. So SB 901, uh, that's likely to be the vehicle for any solution or proposal that this conference committee comes up with. Um, the conference committee, by the way, is looking at all the issues we've talked about. Safety, wildfire, uh, wildfire liability, forest management practices, vegetation management around power lines, uh, and a number of other things. But those are some of the key major issues they're looking at. Um, You asked about the governor's proposal. So the governor has proposed language that would change the liability rules. So it would change inverse condemnation um, from the standard we just talked about to more of a balancing test and allow proportionate fault to be assigned. So that's the governor's proposal. Um, What are some of the main things that the conference committee is working on? So the conference committee, uh, they're taking a really comprehensive approach. Um, They've started hearings. They started hearing uh, last week while the legislature was even still in recess because they have so many issues they want to look at. So they started uh, sort of framing the issues last week. This week, just today, they had a hearing on safety and grid reliability. Thursday, they're going to talk about inverse condemnation and liability rules and then they're likely to have a couple more hearings, but they haven't been set yet. So in all these hearings, like I said, they're going to really tackle some of the major issues, but they've got a lot of work if, to, to do ahead of them in the next few weeks if they really want to nail something down by August 31st. Do you think that's going to happen? Or do you think this is going to drag out a little bit longer than... Do you think this is going to drag out longer than the 31st, but before signed die in November? Well, so anything that would get through the legislature has to be voted on by both houses by midnight on August 31st. Yeah. So really they... Barring like say a special session getting called. Yeah. They could call a special session. I think frankly that some of these issues are so complicated and have such long-term consequences and potential unintended consequences um, that really each of these areas needs probably pretty lengthy discussion. I want to get back to this ratepayers issue that we talked about a little bit when we were talking okay. inverse condemnation. So what financial protections exist for ratepayers and taxpayers, I guess, kind of indirectly too? And we're talking like right now what the current law is. What protections exist for ratepayers if wildfire starts and it's found that the utility is liable, but they weren't negligent? And I guess on the flip side, if the utility was liable, but was negligent. I think we touched on this a little bit with the CPUC, but maybe you could explain it a little further. Sure. Okay. So all of this happens at the CPUC. The CPUC really is the arbiter of what the utility uh, can pass through to ratepayers, what costs the utility can pass through to ratepayers. 
if, for instance, a utility is found to have caused the fire, but the CPUC also says they acted reasonably, then the CPUC can allow the pass-through of costs onto ratepayers. Okay. However... If the CPUC was found to be the cause of the fire, but they acted unreasonably in some way, then the CPUC can't pass through those costs to ratepayers. Okay. So then they have to eat that cost and what that goes, shareholders wind up eating that cost as opposed to ratepayers? Yeah, I assume so. I mean, the utility would have to find some other way to fund Okay. I mean, insurance, I guess, is one other option too, which is another group I think we haven't talked about here that is very much interested in this Mm -hmm. in terms of who's on the hook or the insurance companies in there too. So absolutely. Yeah. It's a much bigger issue than (laughs) we've even discussed so far. Okay. Mm -hmm. Last thing I have for you here, like I said at the top, you work for the league of cities. What is the city's interest in this whole issue? Obviously you said with like the Santa Rosa fires, cities would seen for like the first time, just this kind of devastation. Mm -hmm. Um, So I know that's part of it, but what are some of the other issues that cities are concerned about here? Yeah, so uh, we, of course, cities, um, of course, are really interested in making sure that you that energy and electricity can be provided to our communities, but also be provided safely. Um, so it's really important that we make sure that there's as many safety protections in place as we can possibly have. Um, and we think inverse condemnation is an important driver to make sure that we have those safety measures in place. Um, secondly, the liability rules, those are really important to us. So as it is now, those liability rules really help local communities to be able to rebuild. So we don't actually get all of our costs. I'm saying we as a city, um, cities don't necessarily get all of their costs reimbursed just from disaster declarations and things. Okay. Um, cities too might have claims for inverse condemnation against a utility if there was a wildfire in their areas. It's really important to us to make sure that we can continue to recover our own costs in the event of a wildfire. So that's one aspect. Secondly, The idea of changing inverse condemnation rules to be more of a reasonableness test or something similar or proportionate fault, um, we're really hesitant about that, too, because we think it could shift liability onto cities or other local agencies. So those two costs are costs we'd like to really avoid. Okay. So the governor's proposal would dramatically change inverse condemnation um, and It would do it in a way that we think is likely to be unconstitutional for two basic reasons. One, because it violates a property owner's right to just compensation. Um, A property owner wouldn't necessarily be able to recover their full costs um, if the rules were changed um, under the governor's proposal. And secondly, really, this is an area, this is really constitutional interpretation, right? We're talking about the takings clauses. Um, So interpreting the Constitution is the purview of the courts. And so for that reason, we don't think the legislature can really step into that role that's designated for another branch of government. Okay. Well, this has been really enlightening. Thank you for taking the time to help walk me through all of this. It's been really helpful. My pleasure. Um, (laughs) Like I said, I think, you know, safety and prevention are two of the really most important things. Which we barely touched on. (laughs) I know. But, you know, I grew up, my hometown was on fire. It's hard to watch these things. And we've got 
you know, something like 18 major fires happening this year already. We're yeah, not even it, in the height of the fire season yet. So, um, you know, these are issues that we're really hoping the legislature um, tackles quickly. I know they're taking it very seriously. Well, thank you so much. I know it sounds like you've got a very full calendar. So thanks for taking the time. <laughs> thanks, to- John. And that's today's show. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes and leave us a positive review while you're there. You can also subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. That helps other people find the show more easily. You can let us know what you thought about today's episode on Twitter or Facebook. Just look up at CapImpactCA on either of those to find us. And you can always find our content on our website, www.CapImpactCA.com. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. Talk to you again next week.